Father, Lord, we just thank you right now for this message, God. I thank you, Lord, that the roar of the lion, Father, is here, God. And the lion is roaring, God. And he's, he's roaring to wake up his church, Father. He's roaring to get the same roar in, in the hearts of those that follow him, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you awaken us to your, your, your shoutings from heaven, Father. That you awaken us to the sword from heaven, Father. And, and as the lion roars, let us, let us become young lions and roar with you, Father. That we would be a pact, Father, and you would be the head, Father. That we would follow you, Father. That we would be diligent, that we would be persistent, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to make this house a city set on the hill, Father. And you're going to make this place a fiery jasper stone, Father, before your throne, Father. And we will have, and this place will have a seat in heaven, Father. Thank you, Jesus. This message is called Lionheart. What God's speaking to us today is He's really telling us, wants to address our attitude. He wants to address our attitude. He wants to fix, because in, in some situations, God doesn't move or God does something we don't expect because of our attitude. In a way, because of our attitude, because of how we are in our heart towards, even, even if we, we're, we're fine with our heart and everything, but in one situation, we just don't have the right attitude in our heart. God can, that can, that can actually not dictate God, but like move God to want to do something different because of your attitude, whether that be good or whether that be bad. So our, the attitude of our heart can, can actually dictate how God is going to move in a situation. And if your attitude is not correct, it's not, it's not holy, it's not, a lot, it's not in the right place, you can actually mess up what God is doing in your life. So today, God is trying to address that as well. This message is called Lionheart. And I, and I put this in, um, in Google. I know you, you guys probably have a sense of what that means, but so just to get the gist of where I'm going with this, it said, a person who is brave and determined. A person who is brave and determined because you see, when we're in our situ when we when we go after the kingdom, everything is with determination. It's not with lackluster. It's not it says that God hates a slothful man, hates a slothful servant. So we have to get this thing in us where everything we do in the kingdom is with like not just dedication, but like a fierceness. A fierceness of obedience, like a a a, 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 a head of flint. God is calling back to his church the warriors and some of the warriors in the church have fallen asleep some of the warriors in the church that were persistent that were that were uh without relenting are now sleeping because they've won a few victories and god is trying to awaken his bride to become because the bride is not just a soft gentle woman we're talking about the church the bride is supposed to be a warring bride yes the the bride has her crown but then the bride has her sword, and the bride is the church, and we're supposed to have our crown before God, but we can't have our crown before God, our crown of overcoming, without the sword of the Word of God. Many people are trying to overcome and have the crown without the sword, and if we don't have the sword, there's no getting your crown because it says you must endure to the end and overcome, and you will be given your crown, and you will be given a place next to me. Okay, we're going to go to the scripture right away. 
Ezekiel 1, 5 through 12. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of man. And every one had four faces and every one had four wings. And their feet were straight feet. And the sole of their feet was like the sole of calf's, a calf's foot. And they sparkled like color of burnished brass. And they had the hands of man under their wings and on the four sides. And, the, their, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings were joined together one another. They turned not what they, they turned not when they went, they went. They went everyone straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, they had. So this is, these are, when it talks about these animals, it's talking about the four different, it's not like God is releasing these animals or something like that. And it, like, it's like something, the animals represent the characteristics or the way God is, his character. And a lot of times God will use animals and people think it's strange and they're like, oh, now there's going to be some four beasts that come from the throne and they're going to attack the world. But he's not saying that. He's saying the four beasts are representing the likeness of God, how he is, how his heart is. And this is getting into it now. And even at the, I, sh I didn't pull it because I, I, it was way down the chapter and I didn't want to confuse you guys. But in the end of this chapter, it says that these creatures represent the likeness of God, how his character as many people, and these, these, this is important to know, because, and I had a dream, and I'll release it now. I, never, I think I, the only person I ever told was Shane, but I had a dream, and there was this person in my house, and he said, oh, the, uh, um, the character of God is just, he's just a God of love. Like, he's just a stoic. He's, 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 all, he's only happy. He's only, he's, only like, he's only this certain way. And then all of a sudden, from in my yard, and for some reason, my whole wall right here was screened, and he was sitting there on the chair, and the, these four animals were coming towards, towards the, the, the house. And it, I forgot exactly, I have it written down somewhere, but there was all different, it was like four different types, it was like a turtle with like all, all different eyes, and, and another animal with, and, and it was like, uh, there was one animal that had another animal's head, and what God was showing me in the dream was that, because then I told the kid and I was like, oh, the, the, the God's character is not just like that. God's character is like this, like this, like this. He's, he has this portion. He has this side of him. He has this side of him. He's not just one kind of thing, like, because the false church is all like, he's only, he's just a stoic God that's only like just gentle. And he's just, he, you know, he overlooks everything or whatever. And there's no justice. There's no, there's no, um, severity or anything like that there's only one he's only one type of way but there's all different types of him so then these four creatures come through the screen and broke through the screen and i believe that the screen represented the represents the walls that religion tries to put up and the the, the and god is breaking into his church with his real character he's breaking into his church like a lion he's breaking into his church like an ox, he's breaking into his church like a lamb, he's breaking into his church like an eagle, and he's coming to bring his whole attributes that we would not miss the fullness of God. Because people are not being able to have the fullness of God because they only want to take one side of God. They only, only want to view him one way. But when we see him for all that he is, every part of him and every way of him, then we can have his fullness. And the fullness of God is the kingdom of God. So 
when we don't receive the fullness of Him, when we don't, not only just Him, but His Word and, and, and His whole heart, we can't have all the glory with, that comes with it. We can't have all of it. We may, and that's what those churches, and they have like a little presence here, they, have, they feel, but they never go deeper. God wants to take us deeper. And the more that we un understand His heart, the more that we see His ways, the, the farther we can go. And as we watch how, how big God is, not just, I'm saying big like in the sense, because people say, oh, God is so big. Meaning in the sense like, oh, he's going to throw money at me. And they always talk of prosperity. But I mean, God is so big, like he has so much of him. There's so much of him. There's so many different type, like ways in him. As we learn and see him, we start to become like what we see. And as we become like what we see, we start to grow. See, religion is trying to grow by stop doing this and stop doing this and do more of this and do more of this and show up to church and think I'm different. But we become different when we behold Him and, we, and what we behold, we become. And what we become is the, is, is the likeness of God. See, God made us in, in His image and the devil stole that when He brought Adam and Eve to the, to the tree of good and evil. And now God, even though we, they had they're, the likeness of God still in them, but it, it wasn't there in their mind. It wasn't they, it was there, but it wasn't there. You understand what I'm saying? So now God is bringing us back to the knowledge of God. He's bringing us back to the Word. He's bringing us back to the real understanding of the kingdom and the real things, encounters of, of what He intended for us in the garden. And now He's taking us back to that place where we are like Him and, and every way of Him is our ways. And people don't understand. It's like, okay, God is this is like this and I'm just like this. No, but we're supposed to be coming like this. We're supposed to be coming like God. And if we don't become like God, we're becoming like the world. As for the likeness of their faces, they had f the face of a man. One, so one had the face of a man and the face of a lion. On the right side, they, had, they, the, they four had the face of an ox on the left side and they four had also the face of an eagle. Thus were the, their faces and their wings stretched upward, two wings of every, every one were joined one to another, and two covered their bodies. And they went every one straight forward whither the Spirit was to go. So wherever the Spirit was going, there they were. They went and they turned not when they went. So God is prophesying to us here that wherever His Spirit goes, that's where His character goes. That's where his likeness goes. That's where his ways go. Because the Spirit of God is God. See, we try to, and, that, that's, we've heard, and we've heard that people say this, and they try to separate the Spirit from God, but God is Spirit, and He is the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes in a room, it's not just some messenger like saying, here, here's your, your mail from God today, church. No, it's God in the room, and how the Holy Spirit acts is going to be just like these four animals, like a lion, like an eagle, like an ox, like, the, like a man. And God showed me what these four were because I never knew what they really were. And the ox is like the fatness of the land. If you go back in the Old Testament, the ox was always like, it was like you, when you had ox and when you had all these different animals, it was like you were, it was like the, you were rich. You didn't have, there was no famine, there was no nothing. And when your oxes died and all that, there was no meat, no nothing. So it represents the fatness of God, the, the prosperity of God, the pouring out of God. And then the man represents how that God is, he's not man, but he's in the likeness of man in the sense, because well, we, we, we are men and women, 
and we were made from him. So our same attributes, how we have emotions, how we have a soul, how we have thoughts, how we have intentions, God has the same thing. So this is the man that's in there. And then the other one, what was the other one? The eagle. And that one's kind of pretty obvious. He's the ultimate watchman. He's, he sees all past, present, and future, and he knows all. It's the all, you know how the Illuminati or whatever they are, have the all-seeing eye? Well, God sees more than the Illuminati. And he created everything and he sees every part of this earth in and out and past and present. So that's what the ego represents. And then the lion, which I want to get into today, is like the fierceness of God, is like the burning that he has in his heart, is the, is the intensity that he carries, is the, 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 how the lion goes after its prey, is so how the lion of Judah, Jesus, is going after his church. But as we submit to the Lion of Judah, we become like that lion and we become a lion ourselves in our heart. God is not literally a lion, but He's a lion in spirit in how He acts and how He is. And now He's making us like that because when, because see, we have, it's like we have our life here and we have problems and all that. And if we would just realize that we're in the, the, the shadow of, of, of the Lion of Judah, the line that, that prowls over the prowler that, that comes around every city, the devil, if we understand the shadow that we're in, we would take every emotion, we would take everything that we're going through to him. You see, the strength of a lion is its body, is its, and, it's, and, it's, and it, not just its body, but its fierceness. And now our strength is the Lord. Now we're like lions in a sense in the spirit, and God is our, is the, our, is our strength. He is the, is the body of, this, of the lion that we, we are. And He wants to make us fierce. And He wants to make us... How, it says that, that, his, that, the, that the, his, God's eyes are like um, eyes of fire because of how bad He burns for His church. And God wants us to burn this bad. He wants to change our attitude. He wants our attitude to be a fierce attitude going after the kingdom without, any, without anything having a pull on us in any way. But if you don't get this, grab this attitude today, you, will be, you, may, get, you may get delivered later on, but if you don't have this attitude, you're gonna say, if you have this attitude, you can have, save yourself from a lot more hell than you really have to go through. Because when you carry a certain attitude, you actually prepare your heart for what's coming next. And then when something comes, that attitude is already there to help you gird your loins and to help you be a wall against, because, the, because in this life there's trials and tribulations that are coming to shake us, and there's tormentings of the enemy that are coming to shake us because he's after us. But when we have, this, have a strong, steadfast attitude, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus is in our life, we can stand against any trial, even if there's pain, even if there's stuff we go through, but we stand instead of giving in because there's too many Christians that the waves and winds of life come and they give in too easy or they go through and then they start going through or they, like, that, like that dream Shane had of the torturer torturing you and then, God's, and, then, and then you came to a point where you stopped letting the torturer torture you. Now you torture the torturer. We need to get this this mentality in ourselves that how, how much power we carry because we're in His life and He's in our life. We need to change our attitude. And God gave me this. This word was in my, Shane said it one of the days. 
And it's been in my spirit ever since. And in this house and houses abroad, God's, whatever, wherever God has his people, this is the type of attitude we have to have. And this word is called tenacity. Tenacity. And what does tenacity mean? The quality or fact of having, being able to grip something firmly without letting go. And these are some words that describe that. Persistence, determination, perseverance, single-mindedness, strength of will, firmness, not your own will, firmness of purpose, strength of purpose, fixivity of purpose, so fixing your eyes without being distracted, bulldog spirit. See, some of us need to become a bulldog in the spirit. We need to become feisty against the devil and his attacks. We need to become headstrong for the kingdom. That's what God wants us is, is, is to, whatever you, wherever you're at in the kingdom, whether you're just beginning or, you're, or you've been come along a while, God wants to ha- you to have this bulldog mentality where it's the kingdom or you can, tell the, you can tell whatever's trying to come into your life to hit the road. Because God wants you, because warriors don't give up and they don't, when they, when they, when they fall, they get right back up. And... God's promise to you today is that when you get right back up, you're only going to get right back because right back up is because you know that when you have that attitude that you're going to get up, I'm going to get you up now. Remember that song? We've heard it plenty of times. Don't say yes. Or don't say, don't say give me the grace and then say yes. Say yes and then I'll give you the grace. Say yes to my calling. Say yes to overcoming. When depression comes, when any kind of mentality tries to take over your mind that's of the enemy, say yes to God and say yes to submission. And, say, and then I will do the rest from there. This is our strength. This is the strength of the Lord. The strength of a lion is its body and its fierceness, but our strength is the Lord. And every situation that we go through, we have to see the strength of the Lord and the power He has. It can't just be a confession. It can't just be, well, well, you know, something happens in your life and it's like, okay, well, God's stronger than, so. No, it has to, it can't just be words because then you go, I've seen many people that say, oh, well, God's got it. And then they go through st- something and then they, they're, they're all witchcraft and they're all tormented. So it has to be more than words. It has to actually be a place inside of you where you're following the lion, a place inside of you where you're burning with Jesus, where you're grabbing onto the hem of his garment and wherever his garment goes, you're, you're hanging onto it still. Whatever he's saying, you're pulling onto it. Even if you don't understand what's happening, you know that he has all understanding. Even when you have no revelation, even when you have no knowledge, you know that he has the revelation, he has the knowledge, even when he, you don't have the power, and, but you know that he has the power. You have to, you, this is something because Paul talked about it many times about remembering where we are now in Christ. He says, I should have pulled the scripture, but it says, in all things, remember the knowledge of God that you have in Jesus Christ. He's talking about for perseverance so that you would process, that you would, you would go through every storm of trial, that you would remember the knowledge you have in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that knowledge? He died so that now we can be forgiven. Our old life can be torn off. All the things that the enemy could have held against us, now it's, it's, it's forgiven. The slave's clean. Now the enemy has nothing on you. And now as you follow Christ, you have all power and authority. 
But if you don't know that, you're, and it's not like, because sometimes we, we, think, we say, oh, power and authority, but there's no authority or power being released. But that's where your submission to Him comes in. But knowing that you have all power and authority because of the blood is a, a difference. Because if you don't remember the power and authority that you have, if you don't remember that you have your own torture tools to torture Satan, then guess what? That's His, because it says that, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not knowledge of the world, not knowledge of man, but the knowledge of God and knowing what you have now in Christ because of the blood of Jesus. It's His power. He pushes it through, but His intentions are great for you as long as you're, you're, you're surrendered to Him. And that's our, one of our weapons is surrender. And as we surrender, and then, then we can say to the enemy, the Lord rebuke you. Many are trying to rebuke the enemy, but we need to be like that one angel did. And we need, to, we need to get that mentality in our heart. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Whatever I'm going through right now, I know my heart is, is clean after the Lord. And that's, that's, that's part of it because you need to, if your heart is not clean, you don't have nothing. Because, because then you're separating yourself from God. But if, even if you came to the Lord and you messed up, it says a righteous man uh, falls seven times, but he gets back up. And that righteous man, even when he did the unrighteous act, was still righteous. Why? Because he got back up. Because he got back in the blood. Because he got back in Christ. So even if a man falls, even if a man struggles with something, even if a man, if the enemy takes him down, it's still not going to be his victory because the person gets back up. But when, we have, when that, that temptation comes for a pity party, when that temptation comes for... For, to give in to depression. When that temptation comes to, because to, to, it says that, uh, what is this? It talks about the works of the flesh. And it says that self-pity is a work of the flesh. You would think, oh, adultery, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, think of anything of the flesh that you'd probably think of, but actually self-pity is in there too. When you have that worldly sorrow, when you have that thing in you that's like, oh, poor me, man, why do I mess up and blah, blah, blah. That's where Satan's getting you now. But your power is in, in repentance. Your power is in, is in, yes, I messed up, but hey, now, but I know that I, can, I get back in and it's all, it's all forgotten. doesn't matter if you were just, just turned a Christian or you've been a Christian for 30 years. You still have that same power, but the enemy wants you to take, and the enemy's taking some people out by spiritual pride and getting them to think they're up here above the cross and above the blood of Jesus, and they're like, well, I'm good. Well, I, or they try to justify themselves, or they try their other way, but, there's, but the only way you're ever going to get yourself out of the pit is through the blood of Jesus every time. Amen. doesn't matter how mature you think you are. The cross is still your... your, your, your it should still be at your side. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me because you're going to need that cross because if you don't put yourself on that cross and crucify yourself and let, and let the sin be dead, then guess what? The enemy will eat you for lunch and you will be depressed and you will stay in your self-pity forever. So we need to have now, because of the blood of Jesus, we need to now have the heart of a lion. Knowing that our strength is now there because of what he did and knowing that our strength isn't see it's it's not just in what he did and it's not just in sur submitting to him it's both 
if some people try to just rest on what he did and, and that be their end-all, be-all, but there's still a daily activities with God. There's still a daily following of him. There's still a daily pressing in with him. So the, those two things, they keep us in, hidden in Christ. They keep us in the finished work of the cross. And when we're in that, nothing can touch us, even if we go through a trial, because just like Job, he went through a trial, but actually, even though Satan did it, it was actually God's trial because God was over the situation anyway. God was the one that actually let the Satan do it. See, there's a difference when the enemy comes and eats your lunch because you left it out. But there's another difference when God says, okay, I want, I want to test my servant. I want him to be known before all of hell. So let's show hell that my servant is worthy. And that's exactly what he did with Job and he released the tribulation. Those are different. That's even when, when you're doing everything right and you're, you're, you got the right attitude and everything, there'll still be tri tribulations and trials, but God is over the situation and he has the, the, the door out when it's the right time. But there's a difference. If you're letting the enemy bring tribulation to your life and you're letting Satan tempt you, some people are not being tempted because they're going through the wilderness like Jesus. Some people are being tempted because they're saying like, come on, Satan, come here, tempt me. I'm just, I just want to do this thing or I just, Satan, come on, I'm ready. I'm ready. I got my... You know, whatever, I don't know what you're doing. I'm not even going to go there. But you need to not have that attitude. You need to have the attitude like the man that went into the temple. Not the man that was like, oh, I, my works are good. I tithe. I do all this. You need to have the attitude of the other man that was in the temple. And he was like, God, poor, you know, I'm a, I'm a wretched sinner. Forgive me. That's the attitude that we carry to get out of the door. And it's not an attitude like, oh, man, poor. But it's an attitude like, I don't want this thing anymore. I want to change. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to think this way anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. But not only is it that, but now it's what God's trying to put in us today. It's like a fierceness to come boldly and know. Yeah, I don't want this, but I know God's ready to deliver me. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. But I know he has the power. And you rest on that. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. And people are holding past their, holding their profession of their faith. They're like, oh, Jesus died for me and blah, blah, blah. But he's, saying, he's not saying hold fast your profession as like a rhetoric so you can get into heaven. You're not going to go to heaven and be like, well, Jesus, I... I I said the sinner's prayer and, and, and say all these five things because you think if as long as you keep that in your mouth, you're good. But he's saying the profession that's already in your heart, he's saying the profession to, so that you would remember. You're not professing your faith to yourself so that God would know because he already knows what's in your heart. You're professing your faith for yourself so that you remember where you, what you have in Christ. So that you remember what he did for you and now what that means for you. You remember that the blood keeps you away from Satan and his kingdom. So everything we have here, we're not professing it to ourselves just to profess it. We're professing ourselves to remind ourselves what, we, what, what our tools are in the spirit. What our, we're, ch we're checking the list to make sure everything is there. All our weapons are there. All our gear is there. The, all, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the, the, the breastplate of righteousness and we're getting ourselves back on the, on the foundation.
because the enemy is coming here to draw us away from the foundation, but we have to remember the foundation so that we can stay on the foundation. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of, of infirmities. So it's saying that the person that, that has given his life for you, he can't be touched by any, by any infirmity. He can't be touched by any sin, any power of darkness. He has, he's powerful above all of them. And, we, and, we, and we, we keep that in ourselves because we know that any power that tries to come into our life to interrupt it, we have a power that's greater than that power. And that's why we can have pride in a sense, not pride of the flesh, but like a pride over the enemy, knowing that, standing proud before your God, knowing that you, you, you can have the, a Goliath's head anytime you want. David took Goliath's head around the city and he was parading because of God's power and strength. And God wants us to take the enemy's head and do the same and, 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 and show and make everybody proud of God and his strength, that more people would rely on his strength. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He overcame temptation. What makes you think he can't help you overcome temptation? But if you don't know that he's going to help you overcome temptation and you try to fight the temptation on your own, then you're going to fail and you're going to be like, God, where were you? But he was like, I was right here, but you didn't, you didn't ask me to come. Let us therefore come boldly onto the throne of grace. Boldly onto the throne of grace. Knowing what we have. Knowing the benefits thereof. Knowing where we stand in Christ. Knowing the word of God is strong and to take down any stronghold, to take down any conversation, to take down any dream that is not of God. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we're in rebellion, when we're in sin, when we're in the flesh, we have mercy now to get us back where we were like nothing ever happened. But he's looking for us to come to the mercy. But some of us are trying to fight it and fight it and, and we don't want to repent or we're trying to justify things, or we're trying to correct things, or we're trying to have mercy on ourselves, but we need to go to Him and just so that, and the minute that you come to Him, everything is forgotten already, and you'll forget it. And it won't even be like it happened. doesn't matter if you have done all this work. doesn't matter if you've done all these great things, because sometimes we've done great things for the kingdom. We've done so much work, and then we fail or we mess up, and then we get so down on ourselves because, how could I do this? I'm, I look, you know, I've done all this work, and now it's all went to shame. But God's like, no, you're just a man. Just come to me now. Come back to your strength and rejoice in the fact that it doesn't matter. Yes, you, you've come and you fail, but now, you can, now you're, you can get back in the same place. But don't have, it's, it's very, it's the most prideful thing when people cannot go to the throne of God. It's the most prideful thing when people can't put themselves on the cross and just accept the blood. Because people are so prideful that they have to justify their actions because they've done all this work, they've done all these things. And by God, if they sin, they ruin their reputation. But just like that other song said, we need to lift up our reputation to Him and say we're only here. And we're, we need to remember, no matter how mature you are, you need to remember the faithfulness that, of what He did for you on the cross so that you can know that nothing, I'm not, I didn't get here by myself. Remembering the power that was released every time you did those things. Remembering that it was all Him. And you're nothing without Him. And God can, 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 can whip out any memory out of your memory and His memory and everybody else's memory. 
He's not a respecter of persons, but he's a res he, he, he hands out power in his mercy. So not only just mercy, but and find grace to help in time of need. To find strength and help of, to help us in time of need. To find power. See, many people say grace, and all they're talking about is the grace of lasciviousness. The grace that says, oh, are you forgiven? Keep doing what you're doing. Keep going to the drug house. Keep going to there. That's grace. Grace. Look, it says right here, mercy and find grace. See, keep going. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You have grace before God. But that's not the grace of God. That is uh, sin before God. That is false doctrine before God. And the grace he's talking about is the grace to keep you from going back to the drug house. The grace he's talking about is to keep you from going back to your old ways. The grace he's talking about is to help you in time of need so that when you have to obey the Lord, there's power. Nothing God gives you is going to be in your own strength or in your own ability. Everything God tells you to do and everything where God tells you to go is going to be with his grace. And this is the, the two things that we always have to press in for. Mercy. Obviously, you're not playing, you know, when times are good, you're not calling for mercy. But when times call for it, you call for mercy. And when the other times call for it, when, it, when your f flesh is not strong enough, when feelings are coming on you and you can't bear them, when the winds and waves are coming, we cannot just lay over we have to have a lion heart and we have to realize that we have grace. We have ability that's waiting to be released to us to do what we're supposed to do. That's what makes us bold. Is when we mess up, we get back up. And when we have to, to obey, when we have to do something that is required of us, when we have to stay on the straight path, there's power waiting. But everybody... But this is why Paul stressed so many times to don't forget the profession of your faith. Don't forget what you now have in Christ Jesus. Don't you forget what has been preached to you. Because if you forget, the devil's ready to knock you out. But you're not remembering just so that you can keep saying a rhetoric. You're remembering so that when the enemy comes, you say, oh yeah, that's right, I have a sword. And you point it at him. Take it right at his neck, lift his, his face up and say, you can't touch me. And that's what God is trying to help us remember. Because many, too, many of us, even if we've been obeying the Lord for a while, we forget this, the basic teachings, the basic milk, because sometimes there's basic things that we still have to keep so that we don't fall. And we have this so that when the enemy comes, it's a, it's a weapon that's... God has given us our two weapons right there in the beginning of, of, of when we got saved. It's not we're learning. We have the weapon now. Our weapon is getting sharper and sharper, but we've already been given a sword when we've been born again. We've already been given the, the ability to cut through the enemy's lies and to cut through anything in our life. The throne of grace is ready to release grace that you would sit on a throne with him. That you would sit at the right hand of the Father. And it says, remember the one that sits at the right hand of the Father. Remember the one that orders and, and, and is moving and, and, and doing things in your life. He is ready to release anything you need in time of need. Philippines 4.12-13 I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. 
I know how to be a base. So I know how to, when the waves come and the, and, and the enemy comes, when life, storms of life come, I know how to stand my ground. And I know how to endure, to abound, which is to endure basically, to stand when the enemy is trying to pull me down, when the enemy comes to torture me, when the enemy comes to change things in my life, when, when hard situations come, I know how to be steadfast and I know how to endure it. When the tribulation comes, I know how to, to stand through it. When the, when, the, when, the, when the hurricane is coming in the spirit, I know how to stand there without getting blown over. I know how to be a base, I know how to be a bound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both, into, both to abound and to suffer need. So he's saying, because Paul was one of the worst persecuted, he got persecuted one of the most. And he's saying in these situations, when I've been beaten, when I had no food, and he, he, in another scripture he got into this more, when I, didn't ha- when I was shipwrecked, I knew how to keep my stability. I knew how to stand through it. I knew how to, uh, how to, how to, how to bear it without going crazy. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know how to be a base and a bound. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is he going to strengthen you the way you want to? Maybe not. But he, there's strength there to endure what you're going through. And, you have to, and you, we have to remember that that is there for us. The strength to be able... He, I mean, what do we go through that really that was worse than Paul? At this moment, I'm not saying that I know there's going to be heavy persecution and whatever in the future. But right now, what have you gone through that was really as bad as Paul? And you're telling me you can't endure it. You're telling me you can't be a base and a bound. And he, this guy was getting shipwrecked. He went days, weeks even without hunger. Or I mean, without food. He didn't get paid for what he did. I don't know how he got past certain... Because there were certain cities where you had to go and you had to have papers and money. So how, so, and he was beaten, went through how many different prisons and jails and we're complaining. And he's telling you, I'm in jail right now and I learned how to be a base and a bound. I've been whipped and I know how to, how to suffer it. I know how to, how, to, how to go through it, how to take it without my faith being shaken. You've not been given faith to get things. You've been given faith to be able to go through things without being shaken. You've been given strength so that when the enemy comes, you have a sword at his neck. We need to not forget these things that we have. We need to not forget what is at our, 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 on our holster. So there's that side of that, of, how, of, of the benefits that we now have before the cross. Is the benefits that we now have in the kingdom. But here's the other half now. Is none of of the benefits of the kingdom are really ours unless we're fully sold out. Nothing that God has promised us, nothing that is is at at the palm of our hands is really ours if our, our heart is not driven by the kingdom. If every part of your life is not driven by the kingdom, 
If every part of your life, I don't, it doesn't matter how big or how small that part of your life is. If it's not motivated, if it's not pushed by the kingdom, then you're, even if it's just one part of your life, you're already living your own kingdom. Many of us want to follow God, want to, to have the full kingdom. We seek the kingdom, but in this one portion of our life, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's work. We don't want to give it to the kingdom. And that's why God wants to change our heart and, and give us a fierceness after the kingdom. He wants to change our approach, our attitude towards the kingdom and realize that this is all I have and this is what I need to be fierce after. I, not fierce, not, not intense for my job, not intense for, for, to help my family, not intense to do this, not intense to have, go after this dream for money, for business. We have people in the church bringing business to church and getting people fired up for that. But God wants to give us a heart that is, is raging after the kingdom. Not just a heart that's passivity and just shows up to church and just says a couple prayers and is half invested. But we need to get ourselves heartily invested in this thing. And we need to get ourselves, into our, our whole heart, charred by the fire of God. Luke 5, 15, 8 through 10. Either what woman having... What woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of, of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth, that repenteth, over one sinner who repented, over one person that sells out for the kingdom. And this woman went nuts. And there was another parable, I couldn't find it though, of a, of a person that tore up their whole house, that, that, that gave up everything, that didn't even, that threw away all their possessions or whatever, just to find the one thing. And God was speaking this parable to understand how the disciples should have an attitude towards the kingdom. How... People who would follow me, if any man want to come after me, he must sell all that he have and give it to the poor and follow me. Not, he's not saying, okay, now you can just live on the street. He's saying the, the things in your heart, everything you're, you're, you're living for, everything you're going to, give it all to me. And, if I, and, 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 and people forget too that he said, I'm going to give you double that back. He says, I, I, yeah, you forsake, whoever forsaketh all will get a hundred times as more. But he's saying... You need to give up the ties in your heart because you're tied to it. That's the point. I don't, have, I don't want your car. I don't want your family. I don't want this. I want the ties you have to your heart because when it comes down to going after the kingdom, those, you're going to go after the kingdom and it's going to pull you back. You may get a couple steps, but that one string still has you and it's reeling you back in. Like those, Remember those dolls that you pulled and it was like it came back to the string? And it's like you're going and then it's like, Oh, you can only go that far because maybe your family, maybe a spouse, maybe a job, maybe work. Maybe you're, you just want to, maybe you just came to the kingdom. Maybe you came to the kingdom and you, were and you were genuine and you wanted God, but really you want this other thing too and one is going to eat up the other. God wants to be like Pac-Man in your life and he wants to take out all the other things, all those other little enemies in there that remember Pac-Man? And he ate up all the things. God wants you to let Pac-Man, because he is Pac-Man, to eat up all those things in your life, whatever it is. 
Because if they don't, then Pac-Man is going to be moved from your life. Then God is going to be from, removed from your life. And now all that's going to be there is those, those things that, that held you back and even more things are going to attach to you. I don't know how many people have gotten so far in the kingdom, have gotten so far in their calling, have gotten so far in the vision, and then that one thing that always held them back, one thing that always had the, was tied to their heart that they couldn't just deal with already, pulled them in and either took them out, tore them up. Who knows what, what, what happened to, to people around the body of Christ. I'm talking about all over the world. Then they, and they, and they're, they're, then they're, they're, that soul tie or whatever it was that they had in them, that's all they're living for now and they don't even have their faith anymore. Their faith is not even strong. They may watch, they're probably watching Joel Osteen to keep themselves comforted because they don't want to go to hell. But... They're, they're, now they're not even, they don't have that intensity anymore. They don't have that warrior mentality for the kingdom of God. God wants to keep us to keep that thing, that warrior mentality that we had when we first got saved. He wants us to keep, continue to have that because if we don't have that fierceness in our heart, when we have the double-edged sword uh, uh, dictating our heart, eventually something else will. We fall asleep because we stop being intense in the kingdom. We fall asleep because that coin that that woman went after starts becoming not as much value as it was before. Why are you falling asleep? Why are you dozing off in the spirit? Because the kingdom is becoming less of value to you anymore. It's becoming less important to you anymore. Now I got the kingdom, yeah, but I got these other things that are important that I, I need to be invested in. God is returning this war, this, 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 this strong, we're, we're supposed to be delivered from the strong man, but he wants to make us a strong man in the spirit that when things come to hit us, we have, things are, are just falling off of us. Like, like all the army that was trying to kill Goliath, none of them wanted to face him. Everybody was like, oh, we're ready for war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when they saw the Goliath, because Goliath is big and he was seven, eight, however foot tall he was, they were like, oh, wait. That's, oh, Goliath, oh, forget it. See you later. And they all kept going back, screaming to their tent every night. And that's how many people are. They're going into the, they're like, yeah, the kingdom, yeah, boom, put on your armor of God. Get the sword of the spirit. And then a Goliath comes in their life and they're like, forget this. How many people have you seen do that? But God wants you to, God wants to give you, just like the other lion, the heart of David. David was like a lion in that situation. He's like, I'll take Goliath's head. Why? Because what was his strength? His strength was really God. And many people are coming into the kingdom saying their strength is God, but their strength is not really God because they're just relying on their self. They're relying on their own ability and strength. And then they end up becoming like, the, like David's brothers and all the other warriors, and they drop their swords and run. But David said, I'll fight him. And they laughed at him. They're like, what are you talking about? You're a little puny guy. But he said, I'll fight him. And, and, and Saul was like, how are you going to take him out? And he's like, because God will give me the strength. Because God will, will, will destroy my enemy. And because of that, he was able to have a lion heart. He was able to have a strong, a strong steadfast uh, 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 mentality in him that was able to push through all the voices. Because he was going through all the voices that we go through. He was, people were saying, you're too small, you're too this, you're too that, you're too that. But he kept looking at the strength of God. He kept looking that I have grace. I have ability. I have 
because he's going to do it because he called me to do this. And if he called me to do it, he's going to give me the strength to do it. And then what did he do? He took out Goliath with the slingshot and he took his head. And that's, what, and that's where God wants to get you. That's going to be your promised land is when you see the power of God demonstrated in your life and your testimony becomes so lifted up that when you, you take the enemy and you're, you're, you're showing people the power of God. That's your promised land is when you're able to take the enemy's head and say, I have all power over him and, now, and you can have him too. When your name is known before hell, that's where God wants to get us. But we're not going to be known before hell if we're, it says that God hates the coward. Because the, why? Why does God hate a coward? Well, the coward, he's just scared. But the coward is not choosing to rely on him. Cowards are hated by God because they don't choose to rely on him. Of course, yeah, you are weak. You don't got the ability. So without God, you should be a coward, every one of us, because we can't face the enemy on our own. But we are, don't become a coward because we have, this, we have all ability and all authority over the enemy. We have all strength over the enemy. So when, we're, when, the, when, we're, when the enemy's trying to make us roll over, that's, it's not, the problem is not when the enemy comes and stabs us. The problem is when the enemy stabs us and then we just roll over and say, okay, you win. The enemy's going to try to stab you. He's going to have people say things. He's going to have this thing happen, that thing happen. He's out, he's, his life is given to, get, to take out your life. But it's not about when the enemy attacks you. It's about what are you going to do when the enemy attacks you? Are you going to have a lion heart and say, I have all power over you? Or are you, you going to just say, you know what? He's right. You know what? Maybe I, I will feel like this. Many of us go weeks and days feeling the same way that we felt the one day. We got one day we got stumped with depression. One day we got worried. One day and and one day we got in fear. Some of us have had a stronghold of fear that began one day. And why? It's because when that fear came, we rolled over. When that fear came, we just said, "Okay, just leave it there. I don't need to go to the hospital." I don't need the great physician to heal me. I'll just leave it there. Let me die. Like in the movies when they get stabbed and they're like, no, no, don't save me. Just let me die. Heck, if I get, if I get stabbed by a knife, I'm not saying just let me die. I'm saying take me to the ER real quick. But that's what we need to do is we need to, when we get stabbed by the enemy, when things come, we need to, to, to gird our loins and get back up. That's what God likes. God likes this. Because Why? Because we're remembering the confidence that we have in Him. Because we're remembering, we're looking to Him. We're saying, we're actually in humility when we do that because we're saying, I can't heal myself. I can't, I can't, you know what, I can't, whatever. I'm gonna, but I'm going to go to Him. And that's where humility begins is, I'm, is when you say, I'm going to go to Him. I'm not going to try to let myself die because that would be pride. I'm not going to try to, to heal myself, but I'm going to go to Him. And that's the beginning of humility. It's when we say those words right there. And we'll be able to be abased and abound. We'll be able to stand through every single trial, every single wavering thing, because the, the wavering, that wavering thing is going to come whether you like it or not. And false Christianity will tell you that it's not gonna, that 
oh, now that you do this, now that you do this, now that you obey this word, you'll be fine. You'll, you know, there won't be any more. False Christianity is trying to get you to a place where you think there's going to be no more trials and tribulations anymore. It's giving you a faith that you think when you have this faith, there's going to be no more attacks. There's going to be no more nothing. There's going to be no more persecution. I'll be in my own world and I'll be like in the... Pro and they think the promised land is, is like no, no suffering. But God says, you're going to suffer. But it's about when you suffer, you'll be able to endure it. When you're in pain, you'll be able to take it. When you're down, you'll be able to get up and take down your prey. But that's why many people fall away from the faith because they're, they're living on a false faith that told them, well, you know, if you just believe all this stuff that I'm saying to you, or if you just do all this stuff, then, when, then there'll be no more of that. There'll be no more, no more headaches. There'll be no more heartaches. And then the heartaches come and the headaches come and what they promised isn't what they signed up for. And they take their name off the list and say, I'm a, forget Christianity. This isn't my religion. This isn't my faith anymore. Just take my name off the list now. And they give up. But we're here to tell people that there is going to be suffering. It says, the Bible says that you're going to be tempted and you're going to be tried in every way possible. There's a scripture that says every way possible. You think of any way, you're going to go through it one day. But we're here today listening to the messages. We're, here, we're listening to the CDs. We're listening to the videos. We're listening to what God is saying. Because when God said, listen to my spirit, it always, what always followed was that you would endure till the end. That you would stand. It, everything in the Revelations was about, he was always telling them about enduring, about bearing, about and all those churches were suffering. So where is their promised, promised land where there just nothing happens, no problems come, no heartaches come? No, he was saying, you're, you're, some of them he was telling, you're in the city of Satan. I know that you're there. Just bear with me. Suffer with me. And listen to what the Spirit is saying so that you can bear the suffering. When we listen to the voice of God, when we listen to what He's saying, not only does, do we receive the Word of God and receive instruction, but we also receive grace to carry out that instruction. And when we receive that grace that we have been given by the blood of Jesus, now that thing that we're going through that God spoke into has the breath of God on it, and it will give us our, our mortal body the ability to stand it. But your, our attitude has to change. We cannot have this. It's not nothing is necessarily automatic in our life. Many Christians think it's automatic. But if your carnal mind kicks in and you forget the word, if you get the profession of your faith, guess what? The, your carnal mind just turned off, turned off automatic and put it on manual. And now you're living the life and now you're out of the hedge of protection of God. And that's why being led by the Spirit is so important because if we're not, we're out of His secret place. We're out of the hiding place where the enemy can find us and, and torture us His way. We're out, of, we're out of being shielded by the Most High.
You know, when it talks about the secret place, it talks about how much he'll shield you and protect you. But it says that those who abide, those who stay there, what does abide mean? It means to stay, to be firm, will be under the, 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 the shield of the Most High, will be in, in my hidden city. But we can't, but we ha always have problems because we can't stay there. And when problems come, instead of jumping back into the secret place, we just stand out there and just let it, let it all happen. We stand out there and think that we're going we're gonna to just stand there, God's going to come, and then, but we have to abide in that. And when we're abiding in that, it gives us boldness. What is a right, you know what a righteous man is? A righteous man isn't, that just, isn't one that just does good things and doesn't do bad things. A righteous man is one that is one with the Lord and does what he says and goes where he goes and, and, and is where he is. That's a righteous man in the kingdom. A righteous man isn't someone that just you know, doesn't watch this or doesn't you know, uh, listen, you know, listen to any movies that have cursing or doesn't curse. or doesn't. That's all good, whatever. Those are our fruits that happen that we don't end up doing anyway. But that's not what God classifies as a righteous man because many people in the world are doing all that. There's people in the world that don't do anything really that can, that in the flesh, that you can say was really bad. It's, uh, there are some nice people in the world, but some of them are still going to hell because that's not the righteousness God is even looking for. And we think that righteousness is morality. And morality and righteousness are two different things because righteousness is, is God's way of of, of, of right and morality is is human it's more it's, it's it's mortality or yeah it's 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 the mortality of how the flesh thinks is right and wrong what is what is considered right and wrong according to the world morals you know don't do this don't do that and be nice to your to, to your neighbor and basically it's like and I had there you know I, I had an experience where God told someone that you know, that that person just wants to obey the first commandment and doesn't want to obey the second one. Or that person, or sorry, it's the other way around. Oh, that person wants to obey the second commandment, but doesn't want to obey the first one. The first commandment was to, to love God with all your mind, heart, and body. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. But that person just wanted to love their neighbor as himself and not love God with all their mind, heart, and body. So that, that's morally good to the world. What's wrong with that person? They're, they're so good. They're nice to everybody. They're kind. But they're not, in God's eyes, they're living in their own life. They're living their own way. They're living, and they'll end up in sin anyway because they don't have God's gracing to be protected from the, the sins, the, from, the, from evil in this life. So God sees a right man as one that's, that's, that's stuck to him. And, when, and, and it says that the righteous, it says that, um, how does it go? The righteous are as bold as a lion. The righteous are as bold as a lion. So when you are in God's form of righteousness, when you are, 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 are holding, taking his hand and following him, when you are being led by the Spirit, when you are, are out of your own way and out of your own soul, you become as bold as a lion. You become, you, have, you start to develop a head like flint. To, and what I mean by that is, and it says, talks about it in Ezekiel, about a head of flint. 
Meaning that when the enemy comes, it's like your, your head is so, so hard-headed towards the kingdom. And that's a good thing because some people are hard-headed because they're in their own world. But you become hard-headed to the point where nothing that makes kingdom sense makes sense to you anymore. And, that nothing, and nothing can break through your mind and change your mind. And, 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 and as you are stay as bold as lion because of the righteousness that God has laid before you, your mind becomes like flint, your heart becomes a raging fire, and your soul becomes consumed by, by God's very own soul, by God's very own being. Your character starts to change just like His. And then that dream that I shared with you earlier about there was the, the person and the, and the animals broke in and all that, and because he only wanted to see one part of God, and he wanted to see the love of God, but he didn't want to see all the different character of God. He just wanted to believe God's character was one way. And, 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 and the, the animals broke in, and then all of a sudden, a skunk came in. And you know what I found out a skunk means? A skunk is religion. Because it's black and white, but it stinks. And that kid was just sitting there, and he let the skunk, and the skunk came in to where we were sitting, and it sprayed, and then I was like, oh, pff, I'm out. I ran into my bathroom. I ran away. And this kid was like, breathing in the stink of the skunk, letting it filter him. And that's what religion is doing. And they think it's, they think it's the, the fumes of heaven. They think it's, it's, it's God's glory, but the character, what's being poured on them is not black and white. It's really all, it's really all, it's, it's all filth from heaven. That's what religion, they think, religion thinks they're black and white. Well, we used to have it up there. Religion thinks they're black and white. They think they're in the truth, but they're in the devil's form of truth. And they, and they end up stinking. They end up being Christians that don't smell like glory. They don't smell like, they don't, they don't ha they're not like the salt of the earth. They're all on the outside there. They have, they're black and white, but inside they, they, they smell. They smell like the world. And that's what God's, God's plucking out of, his, out of His church. And that's why we see people falling here and there, the great falling away, the great falling away is not really of the real believers. The great falling away is the ones that said they were believers and didn't really believe. The great falling away is really about people who had faith, but they didn't, weren't fully headstrong for it. They were, they, were, they were half in, they were a quarter in, they were 90% in, and if you're 90% in the kingdom, it's not good enough. If you're 99% in the kingdom, that's not good enough. Eventually that 1% becomes 2%, 3%. And then the world becomes 99% in your life and, and the kingdom becomes 1%. It takes time. People don't turn over to the world and fall away from the faith overnight. They're gradually doing that. And you'll see people that they're so on fire for God. They're so fierce after their faith. But slowly they start dwindling down. You start seeing them get less and less, less and less fire more and more tired, more and more sleeping in the spirit, and then they, that's when they fade out and the fire goes out for good. We think that people just turn over one day, oh, they're false faith. No, it's, they, they gradually get there. And that's why we need to be among those that are going to keep us woken. We need to be among those that are going to get us 100% in the kingdom, 100% fully for the kingdom because if we're not fully for the kingdom over time we're gonna 
it's going to be all gone. We need to be around people who breathe fire out of the mouth. We need to be around people that are like lions. We need to be around people that are, are fierce after the, after the kingdom because bad company corrupts good character, but godly uh, company will make you godly. And, and when you hang around lions, you become one. I, pu I pulled this out just for, and we're going to just come to a close basically, but I pulled this out so you can leave on this. I didn't even, this was kind of cool that this was in here. I was like, well, this is cool. Psalms 57.4, and this is David speaking. My soul is among lions. And, and I actually, just repeat this after me. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire. Even the sons of man. Whose teeth are spears, and arrows, and their tongue are are as sharp as a as a sword. We must be around sons and daughters of God that are 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 as fierce as a lion. Because if we're not like a lion, and if we're not fierce, if we're not headstrong for the kingdom, I'll, let me go back to this real quick. Tenacity. Persistence, purposefulness, steadfastness, cons constancy, staying power, application, diligence, insistence, relentless. God wants to make us relentless after the kingdom. Oh man, can you just relax a little bit? I know you're on fire, but can you just tone it down a bit? No! I'm going to be relentless until God has it all. Until God has all my heart and until I, I, I fulfill all the will of God in my life. Insistent. Inexorability. I don't even think I said that right. Inflexibility, meaning you can't even be compromised. You can't even, be, you can't even bend a little bit to, to what the religion of the world wants or the flesh wants. God wants to make us, what's that when you're, what is it called when you're not bendable? Um, you're, uh, you're unbreakable. You're on, un well, bend, things that bend can break, but un <laughs> I've always said unbendable. Rigid. Yeah, rigid. Just like, you're, you're like wood. You can't bend. I mean, wood can break, but um, you, know, you know what I'm trying to say. Or a diamond. You know how strong a diamond is? You can't do anything with it. That's how strong he wants us to be. And if we're not striving to be that strong, that strong-hearted, that strong-willed for our will to be of the kingdom of God, the enemy is there to take out that one part that's, 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 that's weak. That one part in your heart that's not intense for the kingdom, that one part that's not, that's not being thrown on the cross, he's after that 1% in you. Ask God to your mind, what is the 1% in my life? What is that one part that the enemy goes after? Or 5%, whatever it is in your life. What is that one part that he's trying to hold me back with that's not making me as bold as a lion for the kingdom? That's not making me like the lion of Judah himself. Because it, the Bible didn't call, call God the lion, Jesus the lion of Judah just for fun. It called him the lion of Judah because that's how, that's how fierce, that's how, that's how like, intense he is for the kingdom that's how intense he is for his bride and how are you how are you yeah zeal and how are you going to have so much how is he going to have so much zeal for the kingdom and the bride and all that and you're just like well i'm here for the ride well i'm 
I'm here, right? He's not looking for people that are just here for a ride. He's not looking for people that are just trying to just change their life for the good. He's looking for people that are as look as fierce, are going to become as fierce and as intense as him, as he is for his church and as he is for the kingdom and as, as he is for eternal life with his sons and daughters. Will you be intense today? Will you become like a lion today? He's a lion, are you? He's fierce and intense for the kingdom, are you? I don't think really, I don't think most of us can really say that in the whole church. I, can't, I don't even think I can say that, but I, we're here because we want to be like that. Are we really that intense for the kingdom? Are we really that headstrong for the kingdom? Are we really that like to the point, has your family got mad at you yet? Has your family got been like, you need to relax? Has your family had problems with you because you're too intense for the, for, in the kingdom and, and you're, you're making them feel a little like you need to calm down? Have, if they haven't gotten there yet, you're not intense enough yet. If you haven't gotten there yet where your family is persecuting you, then maybe there's something you need to realize and change. Because Jesus was so intense for the kingdom that it shook every kingdom and every person he, he experienced. God wants to make his sons and daughters, he wants to bring the manifestations of the sons to the world that every kingdom and every person and every king and every president that they would encounter, they would be shaken by the presence of the sons and daughters of God. God wants to make every single person in this room and every single person on YouTube not shakable, but shakable to those that they, that they approach. He wants, to, he wants to make you a city set on a hill that when you come, people tremble. When you come, and they don't tremble because of you necessarily, they, they tremble because of Him in you, and the city trembles because of Him in you. Devils are, are, are shaken when you come around. When, when Paul came around at certain cities, he came around and demons were just coming out of people, he just walking by. His shadow was healing people. Is, are diseases afraid of you? Are demons afraid of you? If your demons are not afraid of you yet, you need to make adjustments. Because if you're not known in hell, you're known in the world. And if you're, not, and if you're known in the world, you're not known by God. And when we're in the moment, actually Shane just posted a poster saying the, almost the exact same thing. That's probably where I got it from. But we need to make, if you want to be in this all, for, for the rest of your life, for, for eternal life, you need to make yourself known in hell. That every demon would tremble because of how, on, how intense you are for the kingdom and how much of a lion heart you carry. A lion is, is intense after its prey. A lion will stop at nothing to get its prey. It will, it will, it will, it will destroy everything in its path to make sure it gets what it, it wants. A lion doesn't care of what anybody else is doing Anything that's bothering it, it doesn't fear anything. I've even seen videos of lions that want to attack elephants or big, big beasts that are bigger than them because they're like, you ain't coming to my way, man. Stone cold. Not, but God's not making a stone cold in a bad way. He's making a stone cold in a way where nothing from the world is going to be able to infiltrate because it's a rock right there. A rock in, this, in a good sense, in the sense that it isn't going to make me compromise. He wants to make us bad to the bone for the kingdom. And if, and if we're not, and if that's, 
And, and God is making, this is not for, for certain Christians. People uh, talk about messages like this and they're like, oh, well, that's for them. Well, that's just for a certain group of people. People make the remnant like it's like a separate group from the church. But the remnant is the church. And outside of the remnant, there is no church. Outside of the real people that are deep, going deep with God, are diligent with God, everybody else is not the church. Everybody else is apart from God. doesn't matter if they say the same things or, or sing the same hymns. If they're not, if they're not deep and, and ingrained in the kingdom, they're not of Him. You did not know me. Why? Because you weren't burning for me like I burned for you. God wants to make us burn for Him like He burns for us. How intense He is and how hard He goes after us and how hard He goes after everything, holiness and righteousness, that's how hard and, and hot He wants us to burn for Him and the kingdom. And then, and then you're going to op start opening your mouth and the Lion of Judah is going to speak. And Father, right now we just pray for our own hearts today, God, that You would make our heart like a lion, Father, that the same roar that's coming out of your mouth would roar in our mouth, Father. That it would roar in our heart, Father. Give us a lion heart, Father. Don't give us, take away the cowardly heart, Father. Take away the heart that, wants, that, that just wants to turn over when the enemy comes to attack. That just wants to give up. That just wants, when, we, when, we, when we're doing things for the kingdom, when we're praying, when we're fasting, that wants to just give in so easily. But give us a firm grip, Father, on this faith. Give us a firm grip on this kingdom. Give us a firm grip on what you're saying. And give us a firm grip to your heart, Father, and to your garment. That we would not let go. That we would be persistent, God. That we would be as strong as a lion. In Jesus' mighty name.